Hi there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today, my guest is Catherine Rigo-Halpern, who is the Director of Strategy at MKTG. In our conversation today, Catherine and I talk about what it means to interact with humans as part of your strategic plan, how important communication plays into being able to get people engaged and bought into your plan, and how effective communication and understanding of interpersonal aspects can make you a better leader and make things run more smoothly. I really hope you enjoy today's podcast and it helps you as you move forward in your organization. If you're in the process of creating your strategic plan, be sure to check out our course on how to create a strategic plan. It's individual walkthroughs, downloads and steps, and best practices on how to create an effective structure for your plan so you can have a clear vision of the future and get people bought in to what you're up to. You can enroll and learn more at www.smestrategy.net slash course. So without further ado, my interview with Catherine Rigo Halpern. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Today, I'd like to introduce my guest is Catherine Rigaud-Halperin, who is the West Coast Regional Director of Strategy at MKTG. Catherine, how are you today? I'm good. You can call me Kathy. Okay, I'll call you Kathy. Or I'll call you Catherine. I had to make sure I got the right pronunciation of your name. So, And then probably still <laughs> didn't even get it right. But. Uh, merci. Fantastic. So for the folks listening at home, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about you, a little bit about what it means to be the director of strategy and planning and what you love about your life and your work. Yeah. So a little bit about me. So I'm currently located in San Francisco. I've sort of been transplanted in many different places. I spent some time living in Prague, some time living in London. I will be uh, relocating to Montreal very soon. So um, a bit of a nomad at times, but kind of find my home anywhere I go. And I think that perspective has really led me to have a a really good outlook when it comes to actually uh, doing my job, which is any sort of business and creative strategy for an organization or for a particular brand. So um, what it means to really be a director of strategy, I'm directing the business and creative outcomes for a client. I've always, almost always worked in an agency or consultancy capacity. So uh, I'm definitely the one that's going to steer the brand in a direction, um, steer whatever the project is or whatever it is that the goal is that the brand or the agency is trying to accomplish. And when I take a step back, uh, I have team members that work under me that can help really put those plans in place. So I really get a chance to not only kind of dive in, especially for, say, having a discovery session, but then I also get a chance to kind of take a step back and look at things from more of a 360 perspective and make sure that all our bells and whistles are being captured. Fantastic. Okay, I got that. And what I like that you let off with is like talking about perspective. And what I like about perspective is that like what my perspective might be, we might be looking at the same thing, but your perspective is different than my perspective. And so doing the 360 oh, to yeah, see around sure. what it is makes the difference at the end of the day. So it's a really interesting point actually that you bring up there. Um, I like podcasts, right? Now, obviously as I found yours, so I subscribe to yours, but um, one of the podcasts I like to listen to and you can take this for what it is, is it's called hidden brain. And they had a guest on the other day that really talked about the idea of listening. If you really take a step back and really stop and pause and listen to what somebody's saying to you, that your brainwaves and their brainwaves actually align. So 
at this moment, when you're listening to me, your brainwaves are actually synchronizing with mine. And so by doing that, we're actually seeing something from the same perspective, from the same viewpoint. And so by doing that, then you can see the patterns I see or the story that I'm telling you or whatever it is that I'm trying to shape. And so I find it really interesting that the minute you stop listening, you start to see things from your perspective. So, you know, when you talk about this global viewpoint, it it takes a lot into account, not just how we see things physically with our eyes, but also how we hear each other and how we use all of these elements. And then, of course, create a, a plan that works for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as we talked about in sort of the pre-roll that, you know, the podcast itself is for managers and leaders like all over the world listening to this and goes across cultures. But as a leader, the key distinguishing fact about that is being able to understand what people are dealing with and really like getting Mm -hmm. them instead of trying to prove that you're right about whatever issue it is. That's what distinguishes good leaders is their ability to listen, not necessarily their ability to talk. But I'm sure we'll get more and more into that as we move forward. One other thing I will mention Mm -hmm. is you can join Catherine and subscribe to the podcast if you're not subscribed already. Let me ask you specifically when it comes to leading strategy and getting that perspective and getting the like business and creative outcomes, what are your two to three best practices that our listeners could take and apply to their own organizations? A couple things. One, uh, make sure that you always remember that you're working and speaking to people. You know, I think we use a lot of jargon in our everyday business world and We don't take this sort of people-first approach, especially as strategists, right? Strategists is this weird, ambiguous term. It can envelop a lot of different disciplines and adopt a lot of different directions, right? You have your data strategist, your creative strategist, your business strategist, et cetera. And we use a lot of data every day, right? And we, we take these ideas of people and we crunch them down in numbers and we crunch them down into targets and, and we turn them into something else that we, we can kind of use and, and make malleable. But really, at the end of the day, we're dealing with people. People are who you're trying to address, right? People are who you're reaching out to. And and it's something that I, I think that more of us as strategists and individuals need to understand and really start to put into practice because it's not a B2C, B2B game. It's it's a business to people. It's a B2P game. It's a business to person game. And, and you know, people are, are the drivers, right? And And our vehicle, as in our medium or our channel, is just how we get from point A to point B. That's sort of how I look at it, right? Like, so data is your engine, people are your drivers, your vehicle is how you get there. And if you look at it that way, then all your focus should always be on the person, the people, the customer, the the client at the end, because we're all customers and we're all clients, we're all consumers. So, I mean, if we start to think of each other in a different way, we might actually be able to connect with each other in a different way. So I think that's a a really big point that a lot of us are missing these days in our business um, and hopefully we get back to. Another note, you know, I I think I just touched on it, but really, really make sure that you understand that it's not a B2C, it's not a business-to-consumer game and a business-to-business game, but it's a business-to-person game, right? It's a little playoff of what I just said. But the idea is that we're, again, focusing on that end result or that end user and that end user has a name. And they live somewhere and they actually interact with others and they speak to each other and they listen to each other. So to really kind of change how you formulate your business and and think more of a B2P perspective. And then um, another thing, you know, we're all, we're all in the business of attention. So we've been talking about this since the dawn of advertising, right? Propaganda machines all the way back in the day. 
but it's communication and we communicate with each other in order to get a point across in order to capture each other's attention. And when you're, you're in this intention game and in this attention model, it's really hard these days to actually make sure that your attention is being respected and observed and that your attention is being focused in a way that you want it to be. And thus you're also turning that around and you're respecting and focusing on others' attention as well. So if you keep these ideas in check as you're building your business plan or you're building your strategy, especially your communication plan, you'll hopefully be able to have a more authentic approach because it truly, truly will be coming from a place of emotion as a human. <laughs> cool. Basically, don't forget that you're dealing with human beings and all the stuff that goes into I think into we it. do, right? Oh, right? uh, like totally. You're in a car, you're, you're blocked off from each other, right? You're in this, this machine, right? Or you're behind a computer screen or you're behind a phone screen. And, and we kind of put up these barriers and walls and we forget at the end of the day that we're all doing this together. <laughs> so, so, you know, how should you best approach each other to be, you know, more siloed or, or maybe more as a community? Cool. Okay. I'm processing that and looking at like from a leadership perspective. So the three points that I got is to remember that you're talking to people the B2P, so don't forget that there's like ultimately an end user, which sort of like mm -hmm. technologically fies it, and then communication and attention. <laughs> and the, the one example I got with attention is if you ever want to know like where attention is at or where like the persuasion or the power is in a conversation, try to talk to somebody who's like checking at their phone or like super distracted or try like actually mm -hmm. listening. And it's the person that's listening to the conversation that actually is the one who controls the conversation. If you're not listening, the entire conversation gets derailed. You know, And it's super easy being a leader, like you've got 100 emails and you've got all the stuff that you're working on, but in those moments where somebody's coming into your office to talk to you about whatever is important to them at that moment, they're there because they wanna talk to you. So you know, give them the benefit that's of right. speaking with them. You know, and they took those two steps, right? They're the ones that walk through that door to talk to you. So not just from a perspective of courtesy and from the perspective of being a good manager or a good coworker, but from, again, I'm going to bring back to that whole, we're all in this together from a perspective of being human. Why don't you shut that computer screen for a minute and give them some eye attention, right? Like actually make eye contact with them, not just kind of say, uh-huh, uh-huh, and, and nod or, or keep being distracted, looking back at your screen or your phone. And I'm not saying, by the way, that I do this all the time. And I'm not saying that in practice, this is the easiest thing to do because at the end of the day, we have all these devices that distract us all the time. But I am saying if we make a more conscious effort, little by little, right, we can kind of like start to change that perspective and maybe we'll actually start to listen to the person that's standing in front of us. Absolutely. And I want to make sure that we don't, you know, it's very easy to talk about the softer side of people and the communication side and the feelings and the thoughts and the mm. humanity. But like at the end of the day, for many of us, whether you're in a for-profit or not-for-profit business, being able to connect with a person is going to drive results. I had phone calls today with an organization I'm working with, and they're looking to transform their entire industry in their state in a very, very complicated system. And when I say transform, it's not like little bit of change. It's they're like overhauling the whole thing and it's going to be dramatically new. And so you could have this strategy, you can have this approach, you can have this goal. And it's not just a matter of changing SOPs or changing documentation or process or way you do things. You're changing people's like mindsets and thoughts and feelings around the business you're in. And you can't 
do that right. without connecting with the person and the people that you're dealing with. So like what Kathy and I are talking about is really connecting with the person so that it's not in order to, but you're not going to be able to get the business re results you want, like the really transformational business results you want without connecting with the people that you're talking to. 100%. And I mean, and I think strategy in a nutshell has been based on that for quite some time. It's all about making that connection and being able to then convert it to that sale or convert it to that adoption or convert it to that uh, new product launch. And whatever it is, it's all about that making that connection. And the only way you can make that connection with any true authenticity is if you speak to them on a level that they understand and care about. Because if they don't care, it doesn't matter. And the only way you can do that is to figure out what they care about and why. Why would they even want to hear what you have to say, right? And so you start backing and backing and backing up and, it, and ultimately back up to figuring out who you're talking to, right? So you figure out your target, you figure out how to speak to your target, you figure out what it is about whatever you're putting out there in the world is different, what's unique, what hasn't the market seen before, or how should we reposition something, or how should we change of perspective? What is the gap that we're filling? What, whatever that nugget, whatever that insight is that you're going to jump off of, Use that then to create something that will ultimately translate into an authentic message that will ultimately convert to a loyalist or somebody who becomes an ambassador of your brand or product or whatever it is that you're doing. And, and at the end of the day, if you did it right, not only did you have that ROI come back to you, but you also saw that you did it in a true manner, right? So there were no punches pulled. There were no mistakes. I mean, of course, there'll be little mistakes here and there, but if, if you do it right, you can trace it all the way back to, oh, this is the point where we saw that this person or this group of people were thinking in this respect, and this is why our product fills that need, or this is where our product fits in, because you figured it out. You figured out at the end of the day what matters to them and why they should care. Absolutely. So I'm going to ask you a question that's going to speak more to working in smaller teams than broader messages. Mm -hmm. So it might take you back to your mm -hmm. editor days. So I just want to like preface that. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my the clients that I work with went through a, a big process of looking at personality profiles and understanding how mm -hmm. each person interpreted information. And so it's like mm -hmm. if I'm speaking to you, you and I could speak in French and we could understand each other. But if I'm speaking to somebody in French and they speak Mandarin, you know, we're still speaking to each other, but the language is different. So getting, mm -hmm. understanding the language that both parties are speaking are super important. So Kathy, mm -hmm. when we talk about you and working in teams. How do you align strategy and performance? How do you get the like high level vision that you want to accomplish with the day-to-day -day activities of moving stuff forward? So, I mean, it depends on what type of team we're discussing. If you're speaking about a client, because I mostly work in client-facing work. So you're speaking about a client and their team and what they want to move forward and how do you align that strategy and performance. I think it's all about really quantifying and predetermining um, what those KPIs are, right? So like during your discovery process, your discovery phase, you know, you'll perform the usual business operations, SWOT, you'll figure out what those learnings are based out of that SWOT, You'll then align on what those are and maybe align if you're doing it again, right? Hopefully aligning with where their product, their brand, whatever it is, their objective is, right? So you're starting to find and, and kind of combine the paths to make one direction. 
And by doing that, hopefully then you've been able to figure out where they need to alter their strategy and what direction it needs to take and then get a performance indicator coming out of that, right? Because if you put it in the right direction, hopefully the results then will be positive or you'll have a lift or whatever it is that you're looking for. KPIs is one of those things that are like so crucial to teams. How do you know you're setting the right KPI? How do you know you're measuring the right thing? And what happens if you don't have a KPI? If you don't have a KPI, then I don't think you know the purpose of whatever it is your brand or your product is that is doing. In my opinion, a key performance indicator is literally that, a key indicator. So if I'm putting a product out there in the world, what is the one takeaway that I want people to get from that? How do I want it to perform? Do I want it to enhance something? Do I want it to be a piece of innovation? Do I want it to change a behavior or change a perspective? Or or do I want it to just be an addition to a market? And then in that case, how are you standing out within that market? So your indicator is going to be dependent on where you're starting and where you fit into the, the bigger puzzle. And then how it performs is going to depend on where you are in that product life cycle. Is it a new product launch? Has it been out for a while, right? So where you set that performance level is dependent on, is it a maiden voyage? If it is, then maybe you're not going to ask for such a large performance coming back, a large return coming back because it's a new thing, right? And you're just starting and you don't have those loyalists yet. You just want to have an awareness play. But if you have something that's been out for a little bit longer and you want to change the perspective or you just want to get additional you know, business year over year, then you figure out new ways to kind of level that up, level up the engagement so that you do have an increase in sales or inc- increase in loyalists, whatever it is that you're looking for. So, you know, how you measure a KPI really is a partnership and finding that measurement excuse me, between the customer or client and the agency and a strategist and really sitting down together and talking to them. Like, I, I feel like the discovery session and the, the actual, again, conversation with your client is so key. Ask them, what, what do you want this product to do? What are you looking? What's your objective? What are you looking to get out of this? Is it just an increase in sales? Is it additional funds? What, what is it? Or are you in an overcrowded market? And you're trying to stand out. Like, what is it that you're trying to do? And so between the two of you or a group of you, I should say, you should be able to set what those KPIs are and use that as a measuring stick uh, across the, the life cycle. Cool. I heard a few things in there. So again, you're, like, you're referencing the agency model. I would encourage our listeners or consider right. that as a leader, if you're a CEO and you're trying to work with a team and you have a manager that's below you in the org chart or that you're you know, giving direction to, they are your client. And you guys have mm-hmm. the opportunity to work together to jointly create KPIs, the key performance indicators, measurements together. And it may or may not be this decision, top-down decision where you say, hey, this is what we're doing. But I think, Kathy, your perspective is it's, it's more of a discovery. What do we want to accomplish together? What would that look like? And how would we measure it? And then depending on where the product life cycle is, business maturity is, then it might change or it might be different. And, and within all of that, it's a moving target. It could be here. And then That's as you true. move forward, it comes to something else. 
you know, you say it's not a top-down approach. Okay, not everybody is going to be in those meetings or be able to be sitting in those discovery sessions, right? I'm speaking from a perspective where somebody's involved in those meetings, they've got that client relationship, or they're able to establish it enough to, to start to get this information from them. You're going to have people within a team, especially within a strategy team, that might not be able to be present at those meetings. Or if you're talking about an internal organization, it would be sometimes an initiative that is coming down from the top, or it might seem that way to people or seem that way to the base. But at the end of the day, it's actually including the base and including their wants. There's probably been and if there hasn't, there should be different points within an internal organization where the base is asked questions. They're addressed. Their needs are met. Their needs are hopefully quantified and qualified. And so that way, they can then take that information and do an internal with maybe fewer people than an internal session of figuring out what those key performance indicators are for their internal organization, and then bringing that back to them, to the base, quote unquote, and then being able to say, okay, this is what you said. We heard you, we listened, and then this is how we've decided to bring these answers to life. And this, these are the directions that we're going to take to hopefully move the organization forward. You know, but it kind of is the same. Even though I preface the agency model from the get-go, it's the same within an internal organization as well. Well, the process of asking questions speaks to your first point of actually remember that you're talking to people and that they want to be consulted, they want to be listened to, and it wants to be done collaboratively. And then, you know, whether it's right in that session or you take it away and you come back, but it's an iterative process that works in collaboration to create stuff. You know, you, 100%. you're a creative person and everything we do in business, whether you're an agency, not an agency, you are creating the outcomes that you want. It's however you get there is however you get there. I think what you're trying to share is one of the approaches that you used and have used successfully is collaboratively working with teams and making sure that you're aligned with them. And the only way you can figure that out is actually by asking them, what do you want? Instead of telling them what they mm -hmm. want. Okay, so uh, a couple more questions. So like looking at, at this planning process, what would you say are some of the risks to avoid? So we have our people listening here. They say, okay, I'm going to go in this planning session. I'm going to talk to my people. I'm going to ask them what they think. You know, what are some of the things that you've discovered in your experience that like, oh, I wouldn't do that again? Or what should they just <laughs> flat out avoid uh, as they're moving forward with their teams? I would like to make sure people understand that the strategic planning process, right? So coming up with the strategy and then planning, figuring out how to do that message map, figuring out where to place those messages. It's not an isolated practice, right? So I think a lot of times people think strategists work in this little bubble. Oh, let them go off and do their thing. And then they'll come back and they'll give me some answer. And no, again, it goes back to collaboration. So, you know, a strategic planner or channel planner, you know, they're part of an entire campaign. And it's part of that sort of that product life cycle I was talking again, you know, or that internal initiative, whatever it is, it's part of a larger thing. And so you have to, again, work within those constructs or that idea that we're doing this together. So you don't work in a bubble. Yeah, you might go off a little bit on your own and then come back and, and you might have to do some deep diving into some data or reading some reports. But at the end of the day, you come back and you share your findings, right? And, and you work through that with, with others. And, and so it's, you're not just on an island, right? You're going through the process together with other people on your team. And by doing that, you automatically instill gut checks 
and checkpoints along the way to make sure that this information is correct and it's working. And if things or red flags are popping up, you're starting to figure out why those are happening or, or maybe you're preventing them in the first place. And I'm not saying group thought. I'm saying like sometimes you need another set of eyes just to see something from a different way again, with respect to what you said at the beginning. So it, one of the biggest risks I think that people need to avoid is, is definitely like remember it's not an isolated thing in the least bit. In my opinion, strategy is more of a base that you can build upon. And, and I hope that, you know, you're remembering that you're building a solid structure, right? You're not building a facade. You're not bringing somebody in there just to throw some data and some numbers around and a couple of great ideas and, and call it a day. You're building something that's actually actionable that people can then take and build upon and, and that strategy should be there throughout the whole thing. What kind of systems have you put in place to do the gut checks and check in with your team and, and watch out for those red flags? Like in, in practical aspects, what are some things that you've seen in your in your career that you've done or your managers have done? It's not something I've seen done necessarily in the same way as a strategist. So I should preface a little background here. I started out my career as a creative. I was a senior copywriter and I was on the creative side and I worked in digital and I moved my way up to creative director. And at some point, I switched over to the strategic planning side. And, and the reason I did that was because as a creative, I was continually and constantly going over to the strategy people and saying, hey, can you review this? I want to talk to you about this. What did you mean by this? I think we should take it in a direction of this. And I started having, again, this more interactive, collaborative experience and realizing that the strategists had a lot more to say than just a brief, right? Just kicking somebody off and giving them a brief and here's your insight and go. Instead, there was a lot more information that could help inform a better end result, a better end creative result. And so that is how my career evolved. And then I went back to school and got an master's strategic communications and, and started thinking in more of a strategic way. But while I was in that process, one of the things I used to love to do was literally set up those meetings myself. So as a strategy director now, I instilled those meetings to have checks with the creative teams. Um, I think it's incredibly important. Uh, I think it's something that they don't always do and they don't think to do. And in, in my experience, creatives aren't taught to do it in the least bit. But as a strategist, you can control that. And you can control that message that's being put out there in the world. And you can control the end output before you get to the end result. So that you know and you're 100% aligned and ensured that this is the correct direction we are going in and this is why we should take something in, in this, this way or this perspective. So that is definitely one of, one of the things I've put in practice is putting in literally, you can put a checkpoint, you can put it in an agile perspective, um, whatever you want to call it. But basically having these pit stops where literally we come together and we review what's being done. You know, and is it aligning with the business objective? Is the creative aligning with the business objective? Is what the direction they're going correct? Because if you don't put those in place and you don't set up those meetings, um, a lot of times the creative that is will reach the end result won't be correct or it will not have paid off what you originally set it off to do. And then the creative feels, the creative people, the creative team feel like they're left holding the bag, right? And it's not the case. It's that somewhere along the way, Something has been lost in translation or something has gone off the rails and, and you want to try to fix that before you even get that far. Got that. So I heard, you know, communication itself improves the process 
and the structure of the strategy because it's more than just that one time like here's the strategy bye everyone and like actually like <laughs> get, getting to create that that two-way conversation adds to it like it really like bring puts meat on the bone so that the strategy itself is more successful and then the second piece is you know having those structured check-ins ensure that you are on track with the plan, on track with the strategy and moving everything forward such that like everybody is accountable to their own results and like not one group being left out being like, oh, well, they get sort of saddled with the positive or the negative results. But by checking in, it's really like spreads that, that accountability and ultimately increases the chance of success for everybody. That's right. Cool. And so talking to you folks, the ones who only do strategic planning once every year, once every three years, watch out get your gut checks because otherwise you might, <laughs> your strategy might go off on a tangent. So Kathy, how can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about what you're up to or if they want to follow your blog or learn more about some of the services that you provide? The easiest way is probably to, you can reach me on LinkedIn or you can actually just email me. You can check out my work at rigo.com, R-I-G-O-D.com. And that's where you can also reach out to me directly if you'd like. And, you know, I'm more than happy to direct people uh, towards my blog. I'm uh, not the best at keeping it updated these days. I will say that. But I have an interest in sustainability and sustainable practices. So I try to keep up on where that's moving and specifically within the fashion industry. So you can learn more about that in ways that you can be more sustainable in your daily life at apparelanthropologist.com. Fantastic. Thank you for that. And then and a final thought, what is the number one recommendation you would give to a CEO or a manager that's responsible for leading strategy? Listen to your people. Like really, really listen to your people. You know, I mean, I, in my opinion, the, one of the greatest things about being a strategist is that you have the ability to familiarize or really intimately learn about a brand, a company, a product, an industry. You really have to dive in to be able to understand how it should perform. And because of that wealth of knowledge you have to take in at like such a clip, you really become almost the expert in it. And so because of that, you have a lot of information to offer. And sometimes the information that you have to offer is going to steer the client or steer the offering in a different way than what everyone else was expecting within a client perspective, within an organization. Maybe you've observed an insight that's happening within your own industry, your own organization, and you really need to get it across to your CEO so they can understand that actual behavioral and you know cultural changes need to happen within an organization. So if I can impart one thing to a CEO, it's listen. Listen to the strategist. Listen to what they have to say. Because CEOs are so busy and they're so moving at such a fast pace all the time, they don't always have that moment to be able to really, really stop and listen. So again, I, I would say it for everybody, but definitely a CEO, listen to your strategist. Thank you so much, Catherine. It's been such a pleasure. And uh, yeah, thank you for sharing with everybody today. Thank you for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been joined by Catherine Rigaud-Halperin, who is the West Coast Regional Director of Strategy at MKTG. Thanks so much for joining us on today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe 
And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider rating us five stars on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. And if you or somebody you know is getting ready to do a strategic planning meeting, be sure to check out our strategic planning course, www.smestrategy.net slash course, and it's video walkthroughs, templates and downloads, best practices, basically everything that you need to be able to create an effective strategic plan for you and your team. Once again, my name is Anthony Taylor. I've been your host of today's podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, and I look forward to sharing with you next time.